welcome to the first podcast in a post-Vince McMahon world. I knew you were going to mention wrestling. I knew it. <laughs> when we were getting the podcast ready, everyone, I said to Mark, like, have, have you got a starter? Because if you've been listening to podcasts for a while, you'll know that we always do a cold open. Generally, a, something that we just would say to each other. And I did say to you, didn't I? Are you going to do something about wrestling? <laughs> and you were like, no, 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 no. But... You weren't that spe- you weren't that generic. You mentioned uh, well, a yes. specifically. Yes, yeah. I did. all right, yeah. okay. I wasn't lying. <laughs> Do you want to change the podcast into a wrestling podcast? I mean, yes. you have you have wanted to for quite a while. Yes, please. So, for anyone who doesn't follow wrestling, Vince McMahon was the lead of the wrestler. The leader of the wrestling. The leader of the wrestling. He was like the chief. Was he like a CEO? He was the CEO of World Wrestling Entertainment, which is the world's biggest wrestling company. Which was known previously as WWF until there was a big intellectual property battle, which is, you know, my background in lawyering comes in. That's how I know them. (laughs) (laughs) But you know them because wrestling... Or the wrestling entertainment world has been part of your life for quite a long time. On and not off. like not like you are one. That made it sound like you you know. Yeah, on and on off. a Saturday night you get in a ring and you chuck people around in a bit of spandex. I don't do that. But you don't, no, do you? No. You don't. But yeah, it, it's one of the things that you've followed, like you say, on and off. Yeah, I, I follow the industry more than I follow the actual thing. Like I was into it as a kid, and I think lots of people were. Yeah, weren't there? It's, yeah. It's, I was. I was ten. Very family in, friendly in some. I was respects. ten in nineteen ninety one, and At Hulk Hogan. Even yeah. I know Hulk Hogan. Exactly, Hulk I know Hogan, the Big Undertaker. Daddy. I don't know. <laughs> it's the only one I know. He's a big fat British man who, yeah, who was old and yeah. Anyway, right. Hulk Hogan, the Ultimate Warrior, Undertaker, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, but as with anything where people are steroided up, I mean, I don't think that's even allegedly. I think a lot oh, of them I th- have I think a lot been proven said, federally. Yeah, to, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, like performing actual live stunts every night, and therefore mm. having to take a lot of extra help to get them through the night and everything like that. There is a very, very, probably more interesting background to the industry. A lot of the people I grew up watching are no longer alive, mm. which is horrible. Um, yeah, very premature deaths, mm. haven't they, because of what has happened? Yeah, yeah, because of the abuse that they put on their bodies. And it is an immoral industry. You, If you're watching wrestling, you are doing so mostly with holding your nose partly you have to understand that there are people there who are horrible people it is a horrible industry to get into it doesn't look like and I've, i only know it from a, a sort of from the things that we've watched a lot of documentaries and i have followed it when you've been following it for example watched a few of the big shows like yes. the royal rumble and that thing where they've got a suitcase full of money that's you know it's not money <laughs> it's not money Oh, you're it's doing that. Money, money in the bank. Yes. It's called, yeah. Yes. So, yeah, you can see that the it is it is ripe as many industries. I mean, these big industries are. It is ripe for people to take advantage of others, for there to be bullying, harassment, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And mm. this brings us back to the re- most recent news, which is what you were referencing at the beginning of the podcast, which is where there have been allegations made. Yeah, I mean, so as part of the. On the back of the Me Too movement, there was something which was called Speaking Out, which affected wrestling across the world. There's a pretty thriving British independent scene at the minute, and it really affected that. So a lot of British independent stars had accusations thrown at them. Now, I don't follow it close enough that I know whether they've been proven or anything like that, but yeah, there are certain allegations that have gone out about a lot of British stars and a lot of American stars. And as part of this, and sort of on the back of this, there has been some revelations in national press, so like the Wall Street Journal, yes. so respected press Very respected, yeah. of Vincent Mann, who is the 77-year-old CEO and essentially 100% control of the entire process, micromanagement of the entire process of WWE. He lives and dies by WWE. He will ring the writers at three o'clock in the morning to tell them that they need to rewrite a program that they've had written for a week that's going live in 12 hours. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been, even with my very limited knowledge, from what I can see and from what you've told me, yeah, 
he he is the a controlling force. This and they call him Mister McMahon. Yes, Mister McMahon. And Mister McMahon is the character that he plays because yeah. as part of the of the real financial peak of the WWE in the late nineties, there were two companies that ran parallel to each other, and a lot of the big stars moved across to the other company, which was called WCW. There was left without a couple of big baddies and he became the big baddie mm. so he played the boss um, it, for a long time when I first started watching he was just a commentator no one well I didn't know because I was 11 that he was that he owned the company he, he was just it. someone who appeared on TV interviewing people um, but yeah there's been some number of allegations about his extramarital affairs mm. he has been quite open that he is he is and his wife is has been in the past involved in the company, but he has been quite open about his extramarital affairs. They have been spoke about under oath in court before now. Okay. So I am feeling, I mean, if Vincent Mann's going to sue us, I, I think that's unlikely. But yeah, they have been proven in court. They've been, he has spoken about them in court <laughs> before now. Things have been documented. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and there have been, and I think the thing that's really forced him out is there have been, financial irregularities mm. in the account stemming from stemming from possibly payments made to people as part of non-disclosures as they have left the company mm. all the allegations are out there <laughs> um it's a very exciting time because i think wwe has been stale for a long time a stale as something that's run that's been run for 40 years by a 77 year old mm. um with with one vision, with, with one, one vision, yes, and with one a voice. sense of humor that is very much around people like dick and fart jokes mm. and people being sick mm-hmm. and like a, quite a juvenile sense of humor. Mm-hmm. Um, someone who like f- I was listening to a podcast of randomly Freddie Prince Jr. who after his acting career like faded a little bit. Yeah, he became a writer for WWE, and I think you know he was always a fan, and I think his his name got him in there. Um, and apparently he was sat there on a plane watching a stand-up set by Richard Pryor. And Mr. Man turned to him and said, oh, who's that? It's like, you don't know who Richard Pryor is. Right. Um, I mean, there was one time when on a plane, apparently he saw Austin Powers 3. Um, like is that gold member? Gold member. Five years after it came out. And so he decided the next day that one of the girls, they were going to put a big mole on her face because that's oh, one of the things. Old. Yeah. <laughs> He is, <laughs> yeah. really be laughing, I mean, but I am. The thing that everyone is saying is, what is he doing now? Because he is out of the company. Um, he is still the majority shareholder and st- keeps a lot of the vast majority of the voting rights. So, but he is not involved allegedly day to day with the operations. And this is someone who has spent probably ninety five percent of his working hours living wrestling. Yeah, it's going to be a big shock to the system. Yes, and um, I think we should put a big shout out as well to the person who broke the news for us because i was <laughs> lying in but we, we had actually we had a bit of an early night didn't we because was that we come back from something we've or, been on holiday we, yes we've been on holiday and then and obviously once you've been on holiday you need a holiday from your holiday don't you so yeah. you end up coming back and being absolutely shattered so we had gone to bed fairly shortly after our little one had gone to bed and I think you had almost like fallen asleep and I was doing that thing where I'm scrolling through Twitter. Yeah. And Kevin Mann, who is the host of many, many podcasts, including Cinema Swirl, How To Wrestling. And the Attitude Era podcast. Thank you for helping me out. He tweeted the breaking news <laughs> that Vince McMahon had, in inverted commas, retired. And I couldn't hold it in. So I had to like nudge you, didn't I, and go, I've yeah. got I've got something to tell you. And I was incredibly glad that you did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And any semblance of an early night at that point it was that gone was out it. the window. It was gone. It was scrolling through Twitter, it was like finding live radio shows on like people mm. broadcasting on YouTube and Twitter spaces that I could Yeah, that was to. it. You were you were awake at yeah. that point. And actually we should say that Kevin was on World BBC World Service. Yes. And so, and he did a brilliant, really, really brilliant, and it was like so knowledgeable, so engaging. And even I, as like a non-wrestling person or someone who kind of knows it through you, just like actually in the middle of the night was like listening to it, like finding it and listening to it. And I was really like excited for you. And it sounds really weird, given I don't want to make light of the allegations or of the bad things that have, have that have taken place. Yes. But I was excited for you that wrestling 
was and and WWE and that that industry that you can you I mean you start you off and you just you just keep going with it. The, the, something that you obviously really enjoy thinking about the the industry behind it in particular, hmm. but that was making like the mainstream news and that people like Kevin were being invited on to the World Service to talk for a long time. Like it wasn't just little, you know. Oh, it was you know really asking these in depth questions. So I was I was actually really chuffed for you. It's I mean it it's a it's a really fun time to be someone interested in wrestling. Hmm. Like this is like the once in a generation like event like the last time something like this happened was 20 years ago when i was on my dial up bro- um dial up internet and logged on to www.wwf.com and the big screen was wwf buys wcw which was their biggest rivals and it was oh my god oh my god have i gone on the wrong site like is has someone been hacked or something like that and then yeah so and that was that was 20 years ago. Yeah, it's incredibly exciting. I mean, I don't know whether to reveal that I've got a There's trip the, planned the big, next big, year. Big reveal here. We might as well finish it off as our, our, our apparently new wrestling section of the podcast. <laughs> oh, but I really you are. Uh... <laughs> well, in the, in the run up to your trip, maybe we should. What's yeah. your big reveal, Mark? So next year I am going to Los Angeles to see WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. It's, so I've always wanted to do um It's probably a perfect time to do it before. That certain things happen around childcare and stuff yeah. like that, where I'm gonna have to spend a bit more. Be, we're gonna have to less time, less full time childcare. Mm-hmm. I, I would say. So yeah, want to do it? Do yeah. it once. Do it properly. Absolutely, so and you year. really are doing it properly. We'll yeah. we'll reveal the rest of the <laughs> of the things that you've kind of got me even like really excited. Oh yes, pay more for that. Yeah. Get that special seat. Go on that flight. No. <laughs> Uh, no, it's a yeah. Uh, it's something I wanted, I've wanted to do for a long yes. time, and yeah. Uh, and you, I'm really excited for you. Yeah, you were very encouraging, so I yes. thought, fuck it, let's it's go gonna do be, it. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. It's going to be absolutely amazing. So, so yeah, live um, live road diary from uh, from yeah, LA next year. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you should take the recorder and uh, live out live out the dream. No, <laughs> but until then, Mark. Yes. Shall we get back to some TV and film? Yes. Watching television, watching television. Telly. Not wrestling related. Oh, so I was just going to do a review of WWE Raw from last <laughs> night, but uh, no, no, no. I, I think we've, if anyone's still listening to this after that, yeah. well, I think, well done to you. Um, yeah. Well, um, okay, so we've got three things to talk about. We've got Westworld Revisited, so we're going to go back over Westworld and just catch up with what we think of the new series now that we've watched a few more episodes. We've got Better Call Saul, which you've been watching. Yes. Um, So there'll be a little bit from you on that. And we've also just watched the first episode of Sky Sci-Fi, I'm getting it right, Sky Sci-Fi's new... What would you describe it as? It's a horror drama, I would say. Thank you. Horror drama from... From... So, from Westworld, Better Call Saul, which one do you want to do first? I'll do Better Call Saul, because it, this is just basically a call to arms for anyone who's not watching Better Call Saul. This is, and I've said it before, oh, and I'll say it again, oh, the best God. show on TV. It's, it just is the best show on TV for me. Um, I think a lot of people stopped watching Better Call Saul after season one. Um, Breaking Bad finished. And Better Call Saul went straight into it, and it was a spin-off of a side character. You've never seen Breaking Bad, have you? No. Well, I have. I have seen episodes that you've been watching. I've seen episodes that are meant to be like seminal episodes. Even I know that they are like the special episodes, the ones that everyone talks about. I've seen the end of it, and I just it just wasn't for me. I just didn't get into it. Didn't get into it at all. I don't think it's something where you can watch just one episode mm. and get into. It's about the journey. It's about... And it took me three times to get into it because I was expecting... With Brian Cranston coming from Malcolm in the Middle, I think he was in before. Okay, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, it was the dad, wasn't he? So, so yeah. I was expecting this to be like a straight-out comedy like about a um, teacher who started <laughs> making drugs. <laughs> making drugs. But obviously <laughs> it's far darker than that. Um, we go on to Better Call Saul and it was a spin-off of the lawyer character Saul Goodman and it takes him back to a, a prequel this started off and I think I got into, I, I got into Breaking Bad quite late like I said it took me three goes uh, so 
Better Call Saul was only halfway through, uh, already halfway through when I started it. I think after three seasons, I thought it was the best prequel I'd ever seen. And as it's now coming to the end in its sixth season, I think this is one of the best TV shows I've ever seen. Six seasons? Yes. Wow, I've just got a bit like, I was just rubbing my eye and thinking, I don't know how long he's going to talk about this. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was a bit pulled back by six seasons. This, like, and I didn't realise it, it had been going on that long. I think this is a show that keeps on getting better as well. Um, there is obviously less stakes in a prequel. However, this is a show which makes stakes. It creates characters that you really, really care about that aren't in Breaking Bad. And you need to know where, why they aren't in Breaking Bad, for whatever reason. There was about five or six plot threads dangling um, at the start of this season. And they have all tied them up in 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 a very conclusive way, all apart from maybe one. And it's absolutely just sideswiped me. Okay. Um, there is... I was expecting these all through to go through to the end. There are people that do not make it. There are people who... And I think you saw one of them in the middle of a show. Oh, yes, show. I did. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I remember now. Watching one show. Yeah, and, I think uh, I walked yeah. past the telly yeah. and went, oh, right... Um, there and this most recent episode that was on it started yesterday Tuesday in the UK it was on Monday night in America after there was a big gap in the middle and I think the episode before that and the two episodes after it were three of the strongest consecutive episodes I've seen of any TV show ever it was action it was heart you were shocked you cried you laughed it was there were three perfect episodes and like I said all the all the plot threads have kind of been tied up and she like, so where are they going to go next? And then the next episode started and it was, oh my God, they're actually doing this. And it wasn't the episode that anyone wanted, but it was the episode I needed just to take it back a bit, introduce you to a new scenario. And then we've got, I think, four episodes left, three or four episodes left. Okay. Just to tie it, just, and I don't know where this is going to go now, which for a prequel is... A absolute phenomenal achievement. If you stopped watching Better Call Saul at season one, just just put it back, give it another chance because this is absolutely world class TV. And um, Rhea Seahorn, who plays Kim, has finally been nominated for an Emmy, which makes me very happy. I remember on earlier pod where we talked about Better Call Saul. You really spoke very highly about her and said she should be nominated for lots of things. She should be in everything. If they're going to, like, anything, make remake Jaws, make her the shark, she no, could do it. No, yeah. do not remake Jaws. <laughs> Never remake Jaws. What are you saying? Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was my pledge of allegiance to all things Better Call Saul. On a similar theme, shall we do Westworld next? Yes. Because I'm now eating my words, just on the Jaws theme, Eating my words, um, on, uh, was it the last episode that we did? Yeah, we've we, not had an episode for a while due yeah, to holidays, holidays and everything. Uh, we talked about Westworld, I was not looking forward to it, we watched the first episode, I sighed at the end, you talked a lot about that in that podcast episode, and I was feeling really sort of like, I'm going to watch it because, I just you know, it's Westworld, I'm going to watch it, but... I'm probably not going to enjoy it. Whereas I, who previously, at the end of season three, said, I'm done with this, mm-hmm. was actually feeling quite positive after the first episode. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling now? Because I think the fact that you wanted to discuss this indicates that, and you actually said you're going to eat some humble pie. Yeah, so we're on episode five now. That's the most recent episode that's come out this week. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I feel we are the heady heights of season two. I know, I know some <laughs> no people. One said no, said no one ever. <laughs> I know some people had issues with season two. I have issues with season two, but season two, I was getting up really, really early. Do you remember when we used to get up at five o'clock in the morning to watch the episodes because we didn't want to be spoiled? Yeah. Because it was would be launched during the night, wouldn't it? Yeah, and it's on... the it, Americans would have seen it. Sky and, Atlantic shows it at 2am, which is the same yeah. time it's shown on the east coast of the United States. So, we, I mean, you can tell us time pre-children. Um, so we would... 
actually choose to get up at five in the morning and watch it and I always remember that and it was a really like I said it was it was a engaging time for us because it we were on the reddit things and on the podcast and and it was something to really get involved with in terms of a televisual event which I I really enjoy being part of that process it's something that we I mean obviously we do this podcast it's no sort of you know put two and two together I love stuff like that right and that's how I feel about this now I saw something earlier on this week that I thought might have been a spoiler for the episode that was yet to come and I got really knocked about it and I don't think I would have done that in season three. In fact, I know I wouldn't have done. I think I saw spoilers and I just didn't care. I can't even remember really what happened. The spoilers season, is when you actually three. pressed play on it and watched it. it season three was, was terrible. It was it was not good. But this, this has gone into a level of philosophy that I'm really enjoying. We talked about how we would like to go back to the park and there are there are things within the series that lends itself to to those things that we liked but even the things that i thought oh my you know that that are very much connected with season 3 i'm really enjoying thinking about i'm enjoying thinking about the ethical considerations and also trying to unpick the mystery because again it, once again there is a mystery here and revelations are occurring that i did not see coming even though i'm Mm. listening to some really good podcasts where they are unpicking in great detail what is happening and coming up with lots of different ideas as to what that could be i have not been in inverted commas spoiled i have just gone for the ride and gone oh wow when the twist happens or this when you know when there's a when there's a shift i'm i'm just really enjoying it and i'm looking forward to the next episode and it's just nice it's nice to have that back again are you as positive as i am or have you gone in the other direction so i'm still enjoying it Mm -hmm. i think part of the reason i'm enjoying it is i have given up listening to all podcasts about westworld because i mean there are a lot I well, I only listen to a couple, mm. and I only like, listen to two. And I and yeah, and they are very well made podcasts. Yes, but they, um, and the the show invites you to do this. They want to talk about the mythology and the philosophy behind mm. it, and I do not give two shits about the philosophy about it. <laughs> okay, I am here for the mystery box of it, mm-hmm. and one thing I will say is. Westworld and to a large any mystery box is like one of those cars that you pull back and 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 in the finale it will all depend on what happens when you let go of that car is how I feel about it because I'm enjoying the journey of pulling it back and feeling and it's love roller coaster just going over the edge and sometimes in, in season one you pull back the car and it goes for miles and in season two and season three I felt you let go of the car and it flipped upside and set on fire <laughs> and ended season three also turned into a flaming turd. Um, so, yeah, I'm enjoying this. I'm enjoying this for what it is, but there has to be a payoff for me. Mm. And they are one for three um, on payoffs for seasons. So, yeah, I mean, like, I'm willing to give it the chance. If it, if it succeeds, I will go for a season five if it's there. If it's not, I don't know because I'm enjoying the journey, but how many times can you be let down? Yeah, understood. Um, Fair enough. But yeah, like I said, it was nice just to just to shoot in commercial breaks, just shoot like theories to each other mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Like, oh, is it? Do you think she's that? Yeah, and it's like, oh no, nice. she can't be because like there's this, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah, you're right, yeah. yeah. And that's why I like it. And yeah, I'm I'm not bothered about the philosophy of robots and humans and artificial life and stuff like that that's not why i'm here for westworld and um, there is a really really engaging discussion around it and that's that's absolutely fine for anyone who wants to get into that but I, that's not why i'm ju- that's not why i'm watching this show um i'm watching this for the mystery box element of it and the the clever reveals that they can sometimes pull off and sometimes don't 
so yeah we'll, we'll I'll, I'll see where it goes but i'm glad that we're enjoying it like yeah, it's, it's a nice. monday night thing we will we'll get in we'll have yeah. our tea and as soon as blake's in bed we will like that's the first thing we do pop the west world on maybe pointless first oh yeah soft, obviously soft few episodes at the minute so yeah. we're not doing that right we need to talk about from okay so from is the big tentpole release that has come from the relaunch of the sci-fi channel uh sci-fi s-y-f-y has been rebranded as sky sci-fi s-c-i-f-i actually spelled right yeah i mean they don't make it easy to talk about in an audio medium no they they? don't they don't but anyway yeah yeah you've done it very well yeah um it, this is a show which we we were in a pub, I think, or in a restaurant. We were, we were in a pub. Yes, we were in a well, we were in a sports bar. <laughs> yes, and on the telly there was an advert for this, and we said, "Oh, that looks interesting." Because it was Harold Perrineau popped up. Harold Perrineau, you know, they advertise brilliant. it as from the creators of Lost, which yes. you know, let's we are huge, huge fans of. Lost. Yeah, and I mean. From the creators of Lost is a bit of a stretch. It is. It is. It's not. Uh, it's not your your main. It's directed, but the first four episodes are directed by Jack Bender, mm-hmm. who was directed a lot of the big episodes of Lost. Yes. And is was a producer throughout. So yeah, it's not Abrams. It's not Abrams. What I'm trying to say. It's not Carlton <laughs> Hughes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's not Damon Lindelof. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who were the big three? Although. To be fair, when we watched the credits of it, um, we discovered that the Russo brothers were involved as well. So More of I, them to come. Have I, have I just... Um, I, you looked at me as if I'd made a massive spoiler, no. like you were going to make a joke and no, I've no, completely no. spoiled it. No, no, no. Nope. Just more of okay. them to come okay. later in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. So yeah, we saw it, didn't we? Yeah. Big, big letters, big, like, Harold Perrineau, um, from, in big capital letters, from the producers, you know, and and I said, oh, that looks interesting. And then we looked it up because mm-hmm. it's a big American release. And this is fully snobby, but I'm like, oh, I want to see what network it's from. And it was shown to be Epics, which is a channel I've never heard of. Yeah. Now, let's, let's face it, right? At one point, the first ever piece of original content on AMC mm-hmm. was Mad Men. Mm-hmm. So if you saw, oh, what's Mad Men? AMC, you've never heard of that. Mm-hmm. You're... Disregarding one of the greatest shows yeah. of all time. Yeah. Equally, um, Banshee was one of the first series, one of my favourite series of all time. Mm. Maybe. Um, but and there are so many one of the first things for now, Cinemax. There? Yeah. There's just so much out there. But you, I mean, <laughs> just peek behind the curtain, you watched a bit of it this afternoon or yes. over lunch. Yeah. And then I rang you when I was on my lunch and you said, oh, well, I really think you should watch it. Mm-hmm. And we've just finished the first episode. You yeah. only watched like the first 15 oh, minutes, the first was 15 it? minutes, yeah. yeah. And then I thought, you know what? This is not what I thought it was and it is not as terrible as I thought it was going to be. I'll ask Mark if he will watch it, just even just one episode mm. so that we can just see what see what we think about it. And I was yeah. just really interested in what you thought. I thought I could watch it and give a view but i much prefer it when you are also able to join in the conversation so quick spoiler free thought that uh, mm. quick spoiler free synopsis of this this is a town and it's liberal with its storytelling mm. um you are launched into the mystery should we say a town where the residents are encouraged by law enforcement to get inside at night um and shit happens shall we say um there is also some newcomers that appear in town and it seems like that has been a while since that has happened um and there are and they appear they have problems and they have to deal with these problems before dark in the first episode i think is Mm -hmm. a spoiler free synopsis Harold Perrineau plays this town sheriff. So he seems to be the the centre of everything. Yeah. He's in quite a few of the scenes, isn't mm. he? This was not what I was expecting. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad you said that, because that's how I felt. Because this is... I was expecting like some cheesy sci-fi mm-hmm. drama. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing which I saw... When I saw this advertised, the thing which I thought was a show which I really loved called Jericho, and I think you've seen yes, it. Yes, yes, I have, yeah. Which is... The, in this, totally what I was thinking. The thing of that is, it's a town in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. all of a sudden, all the electricity goes off, and in the distance, you see a mushroom cloud at yeah. the end of the first episode. So, major cities have been attacked, mm-hmm. power's gone off, but they are so far away, that, and nothing is working. There's an EMP, I think mm-hmm. it is. Mm-hmm. So... 
anything motorised can't work, blah, blah, blah. And then you get to know the people in the town and yeah. it's all about community and it's it's not really about what has happened elsewhere. Yeah. It's about the people and, yes. the, and, and the families. I mean, the other thing that I would, that having watched it, this reminds mm-hmm. me of is... Um, there's a little bit of the leftovers there. Yeah. There is yeah. clearly, it's clear that there is one element of the town which is separate so to distant, yeah. the, the way that the, what the what was the cult called in the leftovers? I cannot remember. Mm. I, I mean, cannot remember. Look, leftovers is one of the greatest TV shows mm. of all time. And I think that's mm-hmm. kind of <laughs> like a perfectly acceptable opinion to have um, yeah. for... And I don't, yeah. I don't think you're saying that this is the new Leftovers no. or this is the new Lost or anything. And I, I certainly wouldn't be saying that. But it's not what you think of when you've done a bit of background research and you're expecting it to be poorly shot. Um, Harold Perrineau to pop up every now and again and then for you to get halfway through and go, you know what, I give up on this. Mm. But the thing which has got my attention is this is hard horror. Yes. There is horrific sights yeah. from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there is gory scenes. There are scare, like jump scares, mm-hmm. I would say. Mm-hmm. And But not for the sake of a jump scare. It is storytelling and not for the sake of showing something gory. Like, And I think Walking Dead, for example, sometimes just show something gross for the sake of showing something gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, this I felt everything was for the purpose of telling us telling the story. Certainly at this point, I mean, yeah. we've only watched the first episode. There's ten. It has been renewed for a second series. Mm. I am more than happy to to binge oh, this because all ten episodes are on. Um, I think I'd have to take some time over it. I think you're totally right. The horror element or that the the depth of the horror took me by surprise. Those first fifteen minutes. Part of the reason why I wanted you to watch it with me was because I was a bit scared. And I thought, you know <laughs> what? I, if you don't watch this with me, I might not watch the end of it. Because I think I'd need to be with you. And actually, it, it did get worse. As as time went on, I was glad you were there with me. There were some um, scenes of children in peril. And also children medically in peril as well, which is very triggering for me. So I was quite happy that you were here. But it is horrific. And the camera remains in situ you know it's not that you just think oh someone's in peril and they're just slightly off screen you are watching things occurring and you are seeing the ramifications of things yes. occurring. so it, it, it's incredibly to, to use a bit of a phrase kingian <laughs> i think it's just yes. stephen king I and mean, i'm going yeah. back to literature but even more recently where there've been all those adaptations of, of the King King novels, maybe the lesser known King novels, reminded me of things um, that, uh, what's his, is it Mike someone has been, I, I don't know it very well because I do tend to stay away from the horror element because I get very scared. But there's a guy called Mike, I think it's Mike Flanagan, who has been, directing or producing or behind a lot of the adaptations recently that have been getting a a lot of um, praise. So he did Midnight Mass and The Haunting of Hill House, which I don't think is a Stephen King. No, no. But But it it sort of all mashed... That was all... Because I watched Midnight Mass because it was actually the Cinemile who recommended that and I binged that very, very... It was... And that was hard horror as well and it really reminds me of that i think it's that that sense of foreboding that you get with king that sense of foreboding that you get with a with true horror where it builds and it builds and it builds and you think oh no well it's already done certain things to show me that it's not scared to do them yes it could do that again yeah so yeah i'm um i'm happy to watch it although i think i'd have to take some time over it because i this whole <laughs> people in peril and also just the, those horror elements of it it it's not a lot like i was never scared for lost lost was so oh i think there are for me i think there are the, i mean there's things where people pop up who are meant to be dead and that absolutely terrifies me so anything ghosty is a bit but not to the not like this this was this was i think there is quite a lot of suspense in lost um 
when they mm. are out in the woods and stuff like that. It's not okay. hard horror. Like, it not, not, there's yeah. no... I mean, there's gore because people... Because you know, yeah. plane, plane, plane crash. Mm. But yeah, um, not in the same way as this. No. But... It just seems slightly lighter. This is... Uh, maybe because you're in this one, this setting of the of the village. Maybe because it's the first episode and I'm... And, you they, know... and they need to let you know the stakes. And... Yes. That really shit is do. about to go down, really and boy, do. do they yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah but yeah, but um, yeah, great. Oh, I'm really pleased. I hope more people check it out. Yeah, because I, I hope so. It's it it's a better show than deserves to be yeah. on what used to be the Sci-Fi Channel. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. look, Sci-Fi Channel's got I, had some good stuff on. And I said this to you: if this was sort of um, uh, Sky Original, or it was on Netflix, or it was, I thought you know, as that one of their flagship. If I think this, this was, is, you yeah. know, like or. Not that I think they put it on Apple, but if it was on one of those platforms, Sky Atlantic. Yeah, 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 that, yeah. Um, what was the thing with Jason Bateman? It was uh, King novel, I believe. Jason Bateman. Oh, the one um, with Cynthia Erivo. Yes. In yes, can't remember its name, but yes, that in it that was oh Teen and, Wolf Two. <laughs> and the and Paddy Considine was it? I can name anyone who was in it, but I can't tell you what it was. The Outsider. That's. Yeah, that was really sort of like, oh, we're going to do this thing and we're going to really promote mm. it. And, yeah. And that's on Sky Atlantic and that mm-hmm. gets an instant piece of respect yeah. that this doesn't. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm i I'm really excited to see the rest of this. Mm-hmm. Let's watch one now. No. Too scary. Just before bed. So we've got some films to talk about. Um, you've only got one, is it? Yeah, it's the one that you watch with me though. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's not me on my own. No. But you've got one that you've been to see I've on your own. I've got two. I've got Thor, oh, Love and Thunder, oh, which we've still not talked about. We've got a lot, haven't we? And, uh, yeah, yeah. Right, we better get on with it. Let's get on with it. Saturday night at the movies Who cares what picture you see When you're hooking with your baby Let's throw in the balcony Thor. <laughs> what is it good for? Absolutely nothing. I made that joke like when Did I went you? to see it and you just completely oh, ripped it off. I'm so sorry. I thought I just thought of it right now and I was really excited about it. I thought, oh, I could maybe absolutely one star. I was like playing with all of that in my head and I thought, no, I'll just go for the lyric. Absolutely average. Mm. I mean, it's not a bad film in any way. Um, I mean, this has been out a few weeks now and I think everything that needs to be said about it has been said. But I think kind of the big thing for me was I've been to see... Every Marvel film that's been out since Infinity War, like on the morning of its release, like I've took a day off work and funnily enough, I've not got any holiday days left because a lot of films have come out. But I wasn't bothered about this. Like, I think they are now releasing three and four films a year. We've now got MCU TV shows in between those. It is a little bit of fatigue from this. And I think the big thing for me is that in the phase four of the MCU, they've they've been quite standalone, these films. And I can understand that after Endgame, there was a need to just sort of reset. But but I really got into the MCU when things started crossing over, when Infinity Stones started popping up. And that little thing at the end of like Guardians of the Galaxy, like, oh, he's carrying an Infinity Stone. You're like, wow, that's how it's going to tie in. So I understand the need to do it, to tell the bigger picture, but I don't like it. And I think this film's fine. It's I will applaud Marvel for not containing any parts of the plot in the trailer because this film starts. Oh, really? Oh, oh yeah. Right. I didn't. This film starts, and there are like within the first five minutes, there are like wow, and then wow again okay. of gut punch moments, which I did not see right. come in. Because I really felt that they gave quite a lot away with who was in the film, for example, mm. in the trailer, that I didn't know, and how they looked, what they, um, their representation, I'm trying not to give anything away, yeah. and the the style I and think who they might be embodying. I think because it's in the trailer, I think it's fair game. Okay, to well, say, warning if you haven't seen it and you haven't seen the trailers and you don't want to know anything. This brings back Natalie Portman as Jane Foster, and she becomes the mighty Thor, so a, another Thor character. For reasons that are quite clear in the film, but are not touched upon in any way in the trailer. Taika Waititi comes back to direct it after Thor Ragnarok. And I think this film put me on the back foot in the first act because it tries to... 
it doesn't find the balance between absolutely devastating like plot developments and then a switch to a clownic jerk a, like a yeah it just okay. and i've seen Taika Waititi do this in Jojo Rabbit like he does it well but for me this it was just too far away well, from Well, I mean, you other. say he does it well, but I know I've, having read other reviews and, and listened to other podcasts, that some people really, really can't cope with it, with that, that tonal shift. Mm. So, I, yeah. I, I loved Jojo Rabbit. This didn't work for me. Later on in the film, it gets, like, there are far more visual moments, which really, really worked for me. They go to a planet that looks where I kind of, I won't say what, what trick to do, but the there is a visual trick around this planet and it was like, wow. Um, <laughs> there is a very, very long sequence with Russell Crowe playing Zeus. <laughs> and I, it's one of those things where you, he started doing it and I'm like, is this accent he's doing problematic? I mean, all accents surely by Crowe <laughs> are interesting. He, he has he... been called out on it before. He doesn't like it. He does it. I always like, you know, when you hear someone being spoken to about their accent, people sort of trying to go there, and you hear in his voice how angry he's getting, and it makes me feel really, really uncomfortable to listen to. It's a little bit of oh. the Stavros character from Harry Anfield in the eighties. Oh, okay. Very different times. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. By oh, the end of it, right. I was fine of it, but I mean that go that that scene does go on a bit too long. Mm-hmm. Um, Christian Bale as Gore the God Butcher. Um, and absolutely terrifying turn. He's playing about four different roles in this, and it they all work. I mean, Christian Bale's a great actor. Surprise, he works in this. Um, but yeah, this is this is a fine film. But I am, I was wanting something in the post credit sting that was going to lead me to understand where the next phase was going, and I just got. It shocked me who appeared mm-hmm. in the post-credits thing, but it just but leads it to Thor anything. four, uh, Thor okay. five rather oh, okay. than oh, not another one, not another. One. Yeah, well done for me becoming that meme woman. Thanks. Um, but yeah, um, obviously since I've seen this, uh, we've had Comic Con, and we now understand where Phase four, Phase five, and Phase six are going. As it is, uh, let me just hide under a. Sh- rock no i'm happy with all of this like, and, and yeah. it, it, i can understand it making sense to you having you having just heard you talk about what you liked about the franchise itself and what drew you back to it time and time again but for me I, it's just sensory overload and too much to think about and i would prefer to just walk well i've not even got in to it i'm just yeah I, there was no way i was going to go and see this would you watch it when it comes on Disney Plus? I mean, probably if we've got nothing. I mean, we've, I think it's we've worth cycled it. through the telly tonight thinking about what we're going to watch later on and we're not coming up with much. So maybe if there was nothing on, I might watch it for your uh, your interesting notes about tonal shift. I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Chris Hemsworth is clearly like the best thing in these. I mean, Chris yeah. Hemsworth is pretty much the best thing in pretty much anything he's in. Um, and God, that man's a star. And there is one point where he takes his shirt off and God, I was like, wow. <laughs> yeah, he looks amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, can I move on to where the crawdads sing? Yes, you can. Crawdads, crawdads. I mean, we've called it many different things over the week, to be fair. We keep getting confused about what it's called, even though we were fine to begin with. Yes. When you said you were going to go and see it, we were fine. And then once you've been to see it, that's it. And do you know that crawdads are lobsters and not birds? Yes. I didn't know that. Yeah. Apparently everyone else knows this apart from I'd, me. I only knew it when I looked up what the fuck a crawdad was. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. Okay. So, adaptation of the Delia Owens book. Had you heard of the book? No, not Neither at all. Neither had I. Okay. Um, it was a big summer hit, apparently, a few mm-hmm. years ago. Um, but, yeah, completely passed me by. So, this is a film about... <laughs> is it? Yes. Yeah. About... <laughs> A girl who lives in the marshes of North Carolina, in a, a troublesome family, and her mother and siblings move out when she was just seven. Even then, the folks in town say with a prejudiced eye, <laughs> this girl's not right. And the reason I'm using those words is because this is a gender-swapped uh, adaptation of the song Hazard by Richard Marx. It's one of the greatest songs ever written. Uh, well, well, well. I mean, it's funny. Only for the lyrical content. Yeah. So, 
like yeah, genuinely who doesn't know that song, listen to it. And it's amazing. It's about Richard Marx one hundred percent killing a girl that he was dating. Yeah, and and at the end, like, it's, it's, there's this narrative about he was he was the boy in town, or that boy's not right, and everyone was prejudiced. And then I realise we're going off the film here, but I've yeah. got to talk about this. And and then this girl, he makes friends with this girl, and then this girl gets. Um, is, is murdered and everyone comes for him like pitchforks and everything don't they they come for him and then th- he's saying I swear I didn't kill her and but he, he clearly did didn't he he did Wait, I mean that's the jo- it's a joke yes. between you and I and yeah. ever since we got together I think it was one of the things that first came up we, we both sort of turned to each other and went he did it he did it he did yeah. it <laughs> anyway anyway <laughs> so there's a framing device in this that this takes place during a courtroom trial of Daisy Edgar Jones' character, whose name I can't remember right now, oh. Kaya. Okay. Because <laughs> um, in the trailer they call it the Marsh Girl. Yes. Known affectionately around town, or unaffectionately, as the Marsh Girl. Mm-hmm. On trial for the murder of a popular local boy who's found in the opening of the film. Mm-hmm. And, and then it flashes back to her growing up, her meeting people, her early relationships, her relationships with her family, to the point where... The it is definitely a framing device. The trial, rather than anything else, and it plays into sort of the last act. Obviously, this has taken a bit of a kick in. For me, it's absolutely fine. One thing I will say is, this is a female-fronted film, and the only other female-fronted films in the top thirty films in the US this year are Scream, mm. Everything Everywhere All at Once, and. The Lost City, is that what it's called? The Sandra Pollock, Channing oh, Tatum that one. film? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were released in March and January. So, this is a film that feels like it would now should now be belonged on streaming. But, if films are being released with female... Fr- like, how can... If, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, I was happy to That's give it some... Shocking, yeah, actually. I didn't realise there was such a... It's not a film I would normally go see. Yeah. But... Um, there was nothing else on, mm-hmm. and so yeah, I'll we'll give it and a go. I think you also said as well to give you your your due. You also said these films are not out there. Yeah. So I want to go and see it. Yeah. And give it the attention that yeah. it deserves. These are films that aren't made anymore. Yeah. Um, or if they are, they go straight to Netflix and they're mm-hmm. forgotten about after a week. Yeah. Um, I feel that part of the problems with this is probably a lot of people have read the book. Um, I. Why would that be a problem? I don't so, understand. Because Do you think... like any adaptation of a book mm. that people love is not like never works as well, does it? Because they have to cut everything down to two hours. Okay. So are you saying that people aren't going to see it or people aren't liking it because yeah, I think of the, the I, I assume right. so because okay. um like I, I think it's fine. I suspect that there's a lot of stuff from the court trial that's cut out because mm-hmm. there is key plot points that appear in the final act. Right. Um and I'm like you know what, if that was sewed in a little bit earlier, people who've seen it will understand what I mean. Everyone's calling this Marsh girl, oh, she's a Marsh girl, she's a feral girl. I mean, it's Daisy Edgar Jones. <laughs> yeah, looking beautiful. Yes, she does not look like Stick of the Dump, mm-hmm. I'll tell you that now. Um, she's got perfectly washed hair and, like, cri- like oh, they could just have, like, crimped her hair a little bit to make it a bit of a mess or just fuzzed <laughs> put, it up a put bit. Put a bit of mud in it. Yeah, I, I, exactly. <laughs> Because she's like that as a young child, and then it's Daisy Edgar Jones. Okay. Is it... I imagine it, and obviously I feel like this would be completely something I would tend to watch if it was on telly. Like, if it was on streaming, I think I would have watched it by now. I just haven't had a chance to go to the cinema for a little while. Is this, like, your standard John Grisham of the 1990s? Is it... I know you're saying the courtroom is a framing device, but is it of that ilk of... We're learning about people. There's the crime being committed. At the end, we learn who who you know who the perpetrator was, and everything comes together. That's kind of how I'm picturing it. It's more interested in the girl's life and relationship right. than, the than the crime itself. Right. The okay. crime comes very late on okay. in the story. It's she's more interested in this girl, how she brings herself up, okay. her relationship with the town, her relationship with her family, her relationship with the boys of the town. Right. So yeah, it's it it. it, it I expected it to be more of the murder mystery, and maybe that's what people were. It's perfectly fine. Okay. Like the, the, I think the acting performances are, are are good. Taylor John Smith and Harris Dickinson play the love interest. To Harris Dickinson plays a really, a really subtle performances. 
Um, it, you know, if I watch it again, I'd probably go, wow, that was a bit el- sh- shoehorned in. But at the time, I was like, I'm not whether sure whether he's going to be like a dick or not. And Okay. Yeah. I, d- I don't know this Harris Dickinson. He was in... The only thing I've, I can recall seeing him in is The, the Kingsman. Right. Like the, you oh, know, the prequel. The right. Yeah. Okay. All right. David Strathen plays like an oh, yeah, elderly I mean, gentleman who's lovely to... Uh, is he the lawyer by any yes, chance? Yes. Uh, I just, I have a feeling that I know this film without even seeing it, but yeah. that maybe means that it's a one for me. And then Michael Hyatt and Sterling Mesa Jr. play a couple who run the local store who are mm-hmm. lovely to her and really, really warm to them. Um, that's kind of it for the... For, for for the uh, yeah, cast but yeah. yeah like if it's on mm-hmm. I would, re- yeah, I would watch, watch it again it. it's yeah. it's a perfectly fine film it's three stars okay. it's yeah let's talk about a film yeah, together I was about to say let's talk about a film we've actually seen together so we've seen The Grey Man which is an is it it's a is it a Netflix exclusive or has it been on at no, the cinema? It has been released in fil- in cinemas. Mm-hmm. I think Netflix are understanding that they can get a nice bit of cash just by putting their films in a cinema for a week. And I think it gives films kind of a bit of authenticity. Yeah, a bit of like status. Going back to the times of like the eighties and like the video era, they um studios used to rent out a cinema and like put their films in just so that in the local trade papers they could show a cinema showing that film for one day so yeah i mean it's it it was released in cinemas for a week and then it's got on netflix around the world so this is the latest film by the russos previously of captain america films avengers films and most importantly community one day we're going to sit through the whole of community. No, I'm fine, thanks. You, you mm. no. Um, this is a spy thriller, um, starring you, Ryan Gosling, Ryan Gosling, Chris, Chris Evans, Evans, Billy Bob Thornton, Amber yeah. Armis. A lot of people actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm a bit. I, t- I tell you what. So visually. I'm not going to call it inventive because I don't think it is inventive, but it's it's more it's more exciting. I think visually, it was more exciting than other standard spy thrillers. I mean, I'm not even sure this is spy thrillers, but action actiony piece, spy action thing. And I enjoyed some of the set pieces, particularly with um, the people who were after Ryan Gosling, and he seems to be having a really fun time with it as well. I found it harder harder hitting than some of the other, you know, your typical spy action things. Don't know what to call it. I'm just going to call it that. There's some scenes of the physical abuse of children that I found really hard. Like, re- there was one towards the end that I thought, oh, I'm not sure this should even be being shown. I was really, like, quite tormented by it. Um... I wish I'd had a bit of a warning about it actually as well and that it sort of that made it seem harder and more and gore and there was a lot more gore and there's a lot you know there's people being sort of this doesn't give anything away but scissors going into the side of someone's ribs into the side you know the body Mm. and and a lot of blood a lot you know very I would say realistic in terms of the violence because there are consequences to the violence rather than, oh, I'm being hit loads and loads of times and uh, there's not a scratch on me. Do you know what I mean? But then I know what you're saying. You're, you're looking at me and I know what you're saying. Then it goes completely. There's this, there's this whole level of it. That's just a cartoon as well. There is like, oh my God, how is he not dead? Mm. Oh my God, how is he not dead? He's been shot four times. And the tone as well. I think that's why I found it really difficult tonally because you have the this this backstory you have this abuse you have all of this violence and then you've got someone like chris evans in this weird tash wandering around chewing the scenery and it didn't quite match for me i so i heard on another podcast that the person who was reviewing it thought that he was like the 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 mvp in it or, or saves the film i heard someone say this he'd saved the film I was like, oh, I can't stand him in this. I've just, it just wasn't for me that that mustache twirling, 
stuff in this film maybe somewhere like Knives Out that's kind of where I, th- I thought he'd come straight from Knives Out in this actually and it was that heightened level of tone and I'm really mixed I've listened to lots of reviews some really really hated it other people have thought that it was very you know innovative and I kind of sit in the middle I'll not watch it again it's a three star okay go on then Oh, I thought, I thought it was a two star. Mm, Probably I could high go two. there. I could yeah. go there. Yeah. Um, I think Ryan Gosling is fine. I think Anna Dramis is. She's always bit, com- I think she's always compelling. But she's a bit wasted. Yeah. And I think the plot of a spy, like a rogue mm. agent, having to save a child that's been kidnapped. Yeah. Is, and it's all very is numbers, just isn't uh, with it? some some USB and, drive that like may or may not contain some shit. I mean, and it's a bit it annoying that like she f- gets to be like the sidekick again as yeah. well. Like it seems to it seems to be a, a film that belongs in a different time. Mm-hmm. Um I think it's a bit basic. Um I thought Chris Evans was the absolute star of this film. <laughs> there we go. He reminded me of Bennett from Commander, which I suspect you've never seen. I don't think I have. I don't I don't so, get the reference. You know the so... film Commander? Yes I do. Um so there is a big camp mustachioed big bad called right. Bennett. Okay. I'm going to show you a picture of him. Okay. Um, I think I can imagine him in my mind just from that description. Does he wear like a beret and does he have Oh, no. He looks like someone who might have been on The Running Man. Yeah. Well, Mark, Mark showing me a picture Arnold, of Bennett from, yeah. from Oh yeah, and he's there he is with Arnold. Yeah. yeah. See, yeah. Okay. Massively camp. Um, has a big camp moustache and wears chain mail. But, yeah. Um, so, the person who is in this that I've not seen anything else is... I'm, I'm going to butcher this. Okay. Is it René Jean-Page? Oh, now, I've heard someone say his name as well, and I think it's Régé. Régé Jean-Page. Régé Jean-Page, That's yeah, how yeah. Who was in Bridgerton, yeah. and is one of the favourites to be James Bond. Yeah, he was, wasn't he? I think he might be out of it now, but... Uh, he should he be after was. this. Do you think so? Oh, I think he's utter um, dog shit in this. I just could not... Oh, right, sorry, I've got the wrong end of the stick. I thought you were saying that he should be Bond after this. No. Because, again, other reviews I've heard really praise him as, like, this... That he plays the role very well and that it's, that it's very uh, dual. I'm trying not to go... I'm not giving anything away, but, you know, is he good? Is he bad? Is he... The, and, and I just kind of went... He's, Again, it's just fair. really no. It's yeah. just every other Bond franchise, every other Bond, every you know that role of mm. the suit. I think he was just he was fine. I mean, he wasn't. Bad. I don't think he was. I don't think he was saying the dog shit. I think the dog shit. I think he was fine. He's this, but this whole thing feels like Mission Impossible light. Mm. Um, it's the fact that they go places purely for the point of going oh, God, places. They're, they're going everywhere. They go to it Croatia purely to decide to go to Prague. Yeah. Um, you know, like, I got a bit of that thing where I was like, "Oh, my neck hurts now because we're going to so many places, and I don't know where we are." Yeah. I don't understand the geography. Oh, I mean, I don't understand geography anyway, but I don't understand the geography of the film. Mm. <sighs> I and liked Billy Bob Thornton though. I really enjoyed him. It's lovely to see Billy Bob Thornton yeah, again. Yeah. And Jessica Henwick is always yes. lovely to see, yeah. like in anything. She's always just. I mean, it's, she was good in Iron Fist. I mean, mm. if you can be good in yeah, Iron yeah, Fist, yeah. you could. You and I thought Oscar. she had something to her in terms of the characterization. There was some sort of that. That was more sort of. I. I think I was meant to like her, and then I was like, mm, maybe she's yeah. she's got a bit of a dark side. But yeah, um, there's going to be another one. Yeah, there's going to be a franchise. Apparently, I think fine. The girl actress who was Julia Butters, who was in um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Right. In a really memorable... You've never seen that, have you? No, I haven't. Really memorable scene. She steals it as like a child actress. Okay. Um, she's She does very well to not be an annoying yeah. girl right there to be rescued yeah, in this. Yeah, yeah. However, she does appear to age and de-age yeah, in different we scenes. Really found that, not didn't just we? the flashbacks. Like, she can... Yeah. yeah. Every scene we were thought like going, hang on a minute... I- what, is she fourteen or you? is she nine? So yeah, that was a bit off-putting actually, because every time she came on, it was like, does she look older today, or you, you know, when did yeah. they film this? But look, there for a for a big fun 
If you're um, looking for like a Friday night actioner, I know it's based on books. Yeah, but it's nice to see something from a new someone try something from a new franchise mm-hmm. and. It kind of pulls it off in bits, but yeah, I've got massive issues with most of this. Mm. But I, I would, I, I'll watch the sequel when it comes out. Will you? Well, yeah, you because will, will you? Right? Ryan Gosling's nice. Yeah, Ryan Gosling's nice yeah. to look and watch. I mean, he's that's not, it's not the fact that he's nice to look at. No, the nobody. No, he's no Chris Hemsworth. I'll I wasn't. Thanks, <laughs> Mark. That's not what I, I wasn't meaning. Sort of aesthetic. I mean, like as an actor, I find him really. He's. That charisma is just like bouncing off the screen. So even when he's not saying very much, it felt a bit drive esque. Yes. And it's a very different films, but you know, when he's quiet and he's just being moody and he's thinking about things and he's planning things, and I think that's very compelling. But yeah. I it, just I just I hope that know. they keep the camera on the action a bit longer because it's, it's it was too frenetic it's too frenetic it? cuts mm. and everything seems to be wang 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 yeah. wang wang just enjoy like the actors on screen well that's it from us yeah that's it um we will be back soon with something else i think we need to do a date night at some point i know we haven't done a date night for a while but I've we have a feeling busy i've got a feeling i'm gonna see abba the movie at some point <laughs> yeah, which please. is really oh, annoying. I, I think i have to bring that out like it's like bringing out the big guns when something you know when they've had a really bad week and that's what I need out of the movie. Is to torture that's... me with out of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you'll. I was about to say you'll love it. You won't love it. You won't love it. But I will. I'll love it. And what? What other reason is there to? Uh... <laughs> it's the whole. I made you watch Crank for that very reason. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, well, thank you for listening. If you would like to follow us on social media, you can find us at the Honeymoon Pod on Twitter and Instagram. And if you'd like to leave us a review, you can do so on iTunes or on Spotify, and it really helps other people find us. So thank you. If you like what we do on the podcast and you would like to buy us a coffee, the link is on our Twitter. Thanks, everyone. See you soon. Bye.